Amen. Well, we've been in a series uh, for some time that uh, we called Alive with Christ. I believe this is part eight. Uh, let's go ahead and look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. We'll look at it in the New King James Version and look at it a couple other uh, versions here. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now you know that right away he's not talking about your body. Otherwise, if you've been crucified with Christ, you're not here. You're dead. If I've been crucified with Christ, then I'm not giving you this message right now. So he is talking about spiritually, been crucified with Christ. You were dead spiritually, but now if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are alive. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the second part of that uh, verse says, uh, Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Everything that we do as Christians, we ought to be walking by faith. We ought to be taking steps by faith. Every step, when, you, we, when we get up in the, in the day, in the morning, we ought to be looking at the day. I mean, there may be things that are mundane, things that are routine. But we ought to be doing it by faith. Every part of the day, we ought to be walking, saying, God, what would you have me to do? Ought to remind ourselves of what his word already tells us to do. And walking by faith, walking by trust, walking by our beliefs. In other words, you make decisions based on what you believe. You make decisions based on what you believe God is speaking to you, what He has already told you in His Word. So when we come to a situation, and it may be something that we do every day, and it's routine, and maybe it's not that fun, instead of being like, well, whatever, I'll get through this. Get through this part of the day, and you know, then 5 o'clock's coming, and then I get to really have fun. Well, you just, we just checked out on part of our life. I mean, we don't get that back. Those seconds are going by like this, whether we're engaged or not. And so we can check out and just let it go by. Be like, oh, glad that's over. Well, guess what? If it really is routine, it's coming tomorrow. <laughs> and so it is not just three hours or whatever you wasted. It's three times however many you know, days you're going to be doing that. And if we have the attitude that I just can't take this, I want to get through it, I just want to get by it, uh, we're going to live a lot of our life checked out, missing it, when it could be that we were living by faith. We could approach that part going, well, this isn't the funnest thing I'm going to do, but Jesus is still my Lord, God is still on the throne, and I'm going to enjoy this part. You're, well, I can't enjoy it, it's so boring. No, that's a choice. When we say, I can't enjoy something, that is a lie. It's not true. We choose not to enjoy it. Not everything is fun, but you realize we tell ourselves lies. If, we don't, if we're not in line with the word, we'll tell ourselves, this is, I mean, this is really bad. And in our mind, I can't take this. Well, 
We need to rephrase it. This isn't maybe the most fun thing I've ever done, but I'm going to enjoy it because God is in me and He's with me and He'll show me how to do it more efficiently, better, and even enjoy it. I'm going to get through it and I'm not going to just barely get through it. I am going to thrive. We can, we can live by faith because God isn't on the throne going, oh, really? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. There's no time, number one, but this is figurative, you know. He is not waiting for the next decade. Really, they're doing that? Michael, come, come get me in, time, in 10 years. I don't even want to look at what they're doing on the earth. I hate, I, hate, I hate this part. When they start doing this, I'm checking out. Now, he might be tempted if he heard some of the stuff that comes out of our mouth... You know, and we're complaining, oh, really? They're saying that again. All right, you know, just I'll come back when they want to check in again. But no, we have, we have the ability and the opportunity to get up and to enjoy the day and to actually live by faith in the Son of God because He loved us and He gave Himself for us. So Christ lives in us and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, by faith in the Son of God. That's how we are to walk. Galatians 2.20 in the New Living Translation, we'll put that up in the other version. It says, My old self <coughs> has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I can live in trust. So I come up to a situation, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, number one, nobody knows what's going to happen. God does, but we don't. So saying, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, nobody knows what's going to happen. What if this happens? Well, what if it does happen? What are we going to do then? We're going to walk through it by trust in the Son of God. We, waste, we can waste so much time worrying about something that may or may not ever happen, when if we would just walk by trusting in him, we can go through the situation. Well, if that happens, guess what? God will be there. If it doesn't happen, guess what? God will be there. He'll, he'll be there to walk me through it. He'll be there to help me. And so right now, instead of worrying about if that happens or if it doesn't happen, I can just enjoy today, walk through today, keep my head up high, and take a deep breath and just enjoy. Isn't that so much better than being stressed out about something that may never happen and again, when we check out and we're worrying, we are missing our life. Because you may be in the situation, but you're not there. You're thinking about, have you ever been there? I mean, you may be at work and you're doing your job to the best of your ability, but part of your brain is just spinning like this. And it's thinking about what? This other situation. Other, so you have part of your processing power. You know, I have a software background and there's tasks that happen in the background, and they're supposed to, you know, you're trying to get them done, uh, not take as much processing power, but your computer does this all the time. It can only do one thing, you know, generally at once. There, there are things that can do more than once, but really what it's doing is doing a lot of things really fast, switching it back and forth. Well, if you're in a situation, and you're supposed to be there, but every little bit you're going over worrying about, what about this, what about this, what about this, you're distracted. The people with you, they're not getting the full you. They're getting this slice of you. <laughs> and they can tell when you're somewhere else. The people that know you, they know when you're there and when you're not there. And so you were there, 
But you don't get credit for being there because they know you weren't there. You were actually thinking about something else. So you might have showed up, but you're not really there. And anybody that knows you knows you weren't really there. So you just wasted two hours of your time. Where? In the middle somewhere. You weren't there, but you weren't really doing anything about this. And half the time, even if you were flat out thinking about the whole time, you're not doing anything about it. Because you can't do anything about it, but you're just worrying about it. And that doesn't help anything. You know, Jesus said, what, you know, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? Which one of you can make yourself taller by worrying about it? Answer, you can't do it. And there's so many situations where we're worrying and it's not going to change anything. It's just going to mess us up. Let's, let's read this in the Amplified. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. In Him I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. Let's read it. One, uh, one last translation, the Passion Translation. It says, My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives, for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the Anointed One lives his life through me, we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by, by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me and dispenses His life into mine. Now last week, or last time we were uh, on this, uh, we were in Romans 6. So let's go ahead and pick up in Romans 6, verse 12. Romans 6, verse 12. Now, we're talking about that we've been crucified with Christ and, and Christ is alive or lives in us. And so we got into some things last time. You can go back and listen to that message. You know, if you haven't listened to the series, it'll, it'll help you. And, and these build on one another. We can't go repeat everything. But last time we were talking about, uh, we focused on that we are dead to sin. Now, sin, people don't like to use that word anymore. That means you know, you miss the mark, you do something that does not please God, that God has said that we shouldn't do. Now, the thing is, people misunderstand and think that God is somehow this big party pooper and doesn't want us to do anything fun. And so he's, he's got a list of do's and don'ts, and if you do want something in the don't column, then you get slapped on the hand. That's not the way it is at all. God has given us his instruction book for life. Now, how silly would it be if you, if you buy a product and you have the manual for that product and you're looking at how to use the product? You know, let's say you have a car and you're looking at the manual of what you need to do and, you know, what those little things on your dash mean or whatever. Wouldn't it... Would, would it seem rational to think, well, you know, if I don't do something here, somebody from the company is going to call? You know, they probably could at this point because they can see where your vehicle is and everything. They could tell you, they probably could tell you you're doing something wrong. They could probably get on the intercom and tell you. But that, aside from that, 
it would be kind of weird if you did something that you weren't supposed to, like used the radio wrong or, you know, pushed a button when you weren't supposed to. We're not talking about safety issue, but just something wrong. Somebody calls them and says, you shouldn't do that. You're an idiot. Don't do that anymore. You're too stupid to drive our vehicle. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, that's not what you think. Why do they, is that why they give you the manual so that they can call you out when you do the wrong thing? Is that the reason they give you the manual? No. no. Why do they give you the manual? No. So you know how to use the car. So you know how to use the product. And if you do something wrong, um, who is going to suffer the consequences? The company or you? If you don't use the, 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 the company product, or the, the product correctly, um, you may suffer something that you didn't want or, or it may not last as long or so forth. But, you know, they've already sold you the product. Yes, they have their reputation and everything, but they've already moved on. It's not about telling you you did something wrong. It's the fact that this is the way you're supposed to use the product and you're going to get the best result if you do it this way. So that's why we give you the manual. And it'd be really weird if somebody said, well, you don't read that. I mean, they're just trying to call you out. They're just, they're just trying to take all the fun away from you. Oh, it's fun to use the thing wrong? <laughs> See, people, but if we take it to God, people think this with God all the time. Do they not? God told us to do something and do, do not. Why? Because he doesn't want us to have any fun, and he just wants to knock us around when we do something wrong. You realize people all over the world believe basically that's what God is. He's a big guy in the sky that sit there, you know, somebody like somebody said, with a fly swatter, and you're a little fly and waiting for you to get out of line so you go, bam! You shouldn't have done that. Why'd you do it? Do it again. I'll get to hit you again. I mean, that's the way they look at God. It's not the way God is. God did not give us the manual, which is the Bible, just so that he can tell you you're doing something wrong. <laughs> that's just ludicrous. If he, God said, the Bible says he's a good father. The Bible says he loves us, loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. But people will believe that if he told you to do something, well, that's just, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do religiously. No. If that's the reason we're doing something, you may get some benefit from it. But we got to change the way we look at things to realize if God told us to do something, it's because he loves us and it's the best thing. If he told us not to do something, then it's the thing we don't want to do because it could hurt us or even kill us. Back to our example, you know, if you're driving an automobile and they say, don't do certain things, there is a chance, and they will make that very clear, if you do certain things, it could, cause, it could result in injury or death. You ever seen that type of a phrase? Don't do this. Well, God says that in his word, do not do this. And people go, ah, it's fun to do that. Let's go do it. And they get away with it for a while, but people look at it and go, well, God just doesn't want me to have fun. No, God is the author of fun. Fun that won't kill you. I mean, do you think it's, you know, people will say, this is really fun, you know, jumping off a building, you know, see if I can, if I can land 10 feet off the ground, you know, maybe they're inebriated or something. They think that looks fun until they end up at the hospital with their, who knows what in a cast. People do really stupid stuff when they're drunk or high. <laughs> really dumb, because it looks like a good idea because you are not thinking right. Right? Let's do this, it's fun. And then you wake up with three appendages in a cast. 
Ooh, that was fun. We had a lot of fun. Ooh, it's going to be fun rehabilitating too, right? No, God does not, does not tell us to do things because he wants us to miss out on fun. It's because he wants us to have the best life possible. So when we're saying these things, you got to preface it because when people say, do not let sin control your life, it, it, there's this religious mindset in the world that somehow, wait, we're talking about do's and don'ts. We're talking about God not wanting us to do something. And, like, and there's a list of things I won't even have to say that when I, you see that word, certain things pop up into your head that are the classic sins. It's just, it's all in the same bucket. Basically, things will hurt us that if we do things that God wouldn't have us to do, what we're talking about and why I'm prefacing it, spending some time talking about this now, is we need to remove that mindset and realize anything that would take me away from God, anything that He wouldn't want me to do, I need to understand that even some people get pharisaical about that. You know, they'll think they're really religious and holier than thou. Well, I don't do X, Y, and Z, so I'm really good. And right there, they're in pride. They're already doing something as, as bad or worse than somebody else, and they're judging. And then they may have, you know, 10 other things in their life that actually is going to be more lethal, like worry. People wouldn't put worry in this, this category, but man, worry, we, we read in the... Um, in the offering, Jesus said, don't do it. Why? It'll kill you. It will kill you. Now, is Jesus just, is God just waiting to say, oh, you idiot, you worry? No, he's trying to bring us up to where we trust him, so it's not an issue. But it's not about him disciplining us, knocking us over the head. It's about he wants the best, and he realizes, you go that way, it's not going to help you. So we need to get out of the religious mindset we're talking about these things, because we're talking about God in the person of, of Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of Christ being in us to help us live, not just avoiding things, but coming up to a level where we are walking and these things don't have a pull on us. And we talked about last time being dead to sin, being to the point where stuff tries to pull on us and, and we don't, it doesn't even cause a reaction because we're walking at a higher level with Him. When we, when we get into these verses, I want you to have this mindset. Realize that anything that would be less than God's best, that God that is pulling us away from Him, falls in this category, and we want to dominate that stuff, not let it dominate us. To come up higher. To, to be able to, uh, and every single one of us can come up to a new level in these areas. So let's read this, verse 12. It says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. So right here we can stop. Do not control the way you live. What's supposed to control us? We're supposed to yield to God and let Him, His promptings, be the things that help us live life. Not something driving. You know, the enemy, he's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a con artist. And what he tries to do is get people to buy in that certain things are more fun or they're the way to go. Or they, they feel good for a while, but you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get a hook into our flesh. He's trying to get a hook in us. He'll let us. You, you, he'll think, yeah, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. And then he's, he'll jerk the hook, just like you would fishing, and the hook sets. And now the fish is not free to go where he wants anymore. He is going to be pulled. And that's what Satan, through sin, tries to do. He tries to get us 
so that he can control us. Well, you're not a free man anymore. Do we want to be free? Or do we want to be the slave of something that doesn't care? Satan's wicked. He does not care about us at all. And like I said before, he kills the people that work for him best. How many musicians, rock stars, have died in their 20s? World famous. And they find them in some hotel room, overdosed, or in a, you know, you could... Ex- they're, they're, they uh, die in their sleep or they die when they're passed out. They've had too much to drink, can't breathe, whatever. And they were going 180 miles an hour, doing everything they want to do, and they're, they're, they're taken out. Because the wages of sin is death. Satan can't help himself. He, you, you go out, people think, well, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty bad. I'm doing what I want to do. No, you're not. You're a fish. And the hook is set, and you do not have control over your life anymore. Anything that dominates us that we can't get away from is controlling us. Amen? But there's a better way. God, through Jesus, has made a way so that we can walk. And yeah, you dangle that hook at me, whatever. I know what, you know, that worm, yeah, I know there's a hook under it. Get away. Because I'm not that stupid. I'm not going to let that dominate me. Oh, yeah, that looks like a little hot dog. You know, hot dogs will work to catch fish. Find that out in Pennsylvania. Now, it's not, you know, classic fisherman move. But if you've got a bunch of young kids that are fishing in the same pond over and over, it's a very economical way for them to be entertained. And sunfish will bite on hot dogs. And bass will, too, at times. Just... We're about ready to go to Pennsylvania again in a few weeks, and we're going to exercise that strategy again. But yeah, there's this thing. It looks like a hot dog, but I know there's a hook. Those, those fish, we catch the same fish over and over because there's not that many fish in that little pond, and they still bite on it. They don't get it. They just will keep doing it, but they get hooked. No, we want to be above it, so we're like, yeah, whatever. I've seen that before. Nope, that's, that's not real. That's just going to control me. Do not, let the, the, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any of your, part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. See, this is the point. We have God inside of us to help us live a new life. It's not about trying not to do something. It's about running and doing something way better. It's a low life a low level of life to be like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do it. I really want to, but I can't. Forget that and say, I'm going over here doing this, and this is going to hinder me. I have no idea. I have no desire to do that. Why? Because I'm going over here. And if I'm going to do this, I don't have any time for that. You see this with athletes. When they're training, yeah, they'd like to do some stuff, but if they, if they, you know, go eat all this food that's not going to help them, it is going to hinder their performance. They want the performance more than they want what you name it, whatever they can eat on their certain diet, right? You see this, it's just in the natural. We're not even talking about Christian, non-Christian. We're talking about performance. We're talking about getting to a goal. We're talking about, I want that, so I could eat that. I have the choice, but I don't want to eat it because it's going to hinder me. And any number of discipline type of things. Well, God, you know, discipline isn't a dirty word. You can take it to extremes. But God 
would have us to live at a point where it's like, I have no, no, we're so caught up with him and what he has for us and that it's so good, why would I mess with this? That's a different mindset than constantly going through life, oh, I can't, oh, I'd really like to, but I can't. That's, that is torture. It's not that I can't, I don't have a desire. I'm, I'm a child of God and I'm going to run with him and he has so much higher and better things for me. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. See, this is the crux of the thing. I'm trying to get to where we're meaning to go tonight, but sin is no longer your master. See, people look at it, well, I can't do something. No, you don't want a bad master that doesn't care about you, that will kick you to the curb like that. We don't need that. We don't want that. We wanted, God is a good master. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. This is what we were talking about. Don't you realize that, what, that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So you're saying, well, does that mean we can do whatever we want? Well, technically, yes. Who do you want to obey? Who do you want to obey? Who do you want to be your master? If you choose, yes, anybody in here, you have a free will. We could go do whatever we want. After this meeting, we could walk out. We have a choice. But the question is, who do you want to be your master? What do we want to yield ourselves to? It's not about what we can't do. It's, he's saying you could do that, but he said, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. It's bad, you know, you're just going to, it's going to take you out. Literal. Any type of death is many forms. Yes, there's physical death, but death in relationships, death in your body. You know, you, you abuse your body, your body is going to be hurt by it. That's death, emotional death. Uh, like I said, death in relationships. You do certain things in a relationship, it's going to lead to the death of that relationship. Financial death. You do certain things, it's, you know, uh, you're going you're gonna to experience the symptoms of that in finances. It says you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves... To sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Praise God. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 20. Did I skip verse 19? You can, okay. We just go to verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. What was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom, but, you are, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. How are we doing? Let's turn over to Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. Before we go over there, you put up um, verse 23, Romans 6.23. You guys can stay in Romans, but I think we'll get there, but I wanted to comment on this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He said it in different ways all through that passage, but here it says the wages of sin is death. No matter what things look like, no matter what shape things take, you know, deception. Satan, like I said, Satan is a master con artist. Don't be deceived. The wages of sin is death. It will lead to loss. Always. See, there, there are uh, teachings out where people basically will say that it doesn't matter what you do, it's okay because the blood of Jesus is sufficient and the grace of God is so great that God loves you and He forgives you. Well, God may love us and He may forgive us, but that doesn't change this verse. The wages of sin is death. So you can love somebody, and you can forgive somebody, but if they are still beating their hand with a hammer, it is still going to hurt their hand. And you may be standing there going, man, I love you. Don't, don't, don't hit your thumb one more time. Please. And I forgive you for doing it if you're doing it in spite, to spite me. But at the afterward... Their thumb or their hand is still going to feel the consequences of that hammer. Have you ever hit your thumb with a hammer? It hurts. Did, was your first thought after you did that, I ought to do that again? I wonder if it'll hurt the second time. Did, did that thought cross anybody's mind? <laughs> no. You're like, God. And you don't know. Maybe you don't. You're tempted to say words you probably shouldn't at that point. <laughs> you know? You, did, you weren't thinking, yeah, let's have another round. You were thinking, I hope I never do that again. You're trying to, to keep your fit. How do I, you know, you got you to gotta work against actually being able to hold that nail correctly because what are you thinking about? I don't want to hit any part of my hand. Your thought is not, I want to see how many times I can do that again. 
But when we cross over, people think, well, and they'll, they'll t- teach like this, God loves you, and it doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, God forgives you, and you're going to be just as blessed. That's like saying your hand is going to be in the same condition whether you hit it a hundred times with a hammer or not. What person would look you in the face with a straight face and tell you that? Well, I love you, and your hand is going to function just as well. I don't care if you hit it 50 times with a hammer today. It's going to be just fine. Maybe not. (laughs) And if you were to go to the hospital for the 10th time, in five days, and they said, what happened? I hit my, my, my thumb with a hammer again. But don't worry, it's, it's going to be fine. It's, it's, might look at, it, it, my hand's going to be just fine. They may say, if you keep doing that, it may not be fine. Right? They would look at you like you're nuts. But, in, but we don't think clearly in church sometimes. Stuff that we would see right through and we'd be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like hitting your thumb with a hammer. Don't do it. People in church, when we hear it under the guise of reading, attaching some scripture to that, will just go into stupid mode. Oh, you mean I can, it doesn't matter what I do. It's going to be just fine because God loves me. Yeah, he may love you. And I'll have just a blessed, as blessed a life if I do whatever I want just as much as if I did what God actually told me. It's just not true. And the thing is, why would we want to run after something when it hurts? I did that. Oh my gosh, that hurt. Later. You know, you did something, you knew you shouldn't have done it, and it hurts you in your heart, it hurts you in your body, but here we go again. And all the while, but God loves me. God loves you, and he's saying, quit hurting yourself. And the thing is, people have tried to combat this with natural, with willpower, going, I'm not going to do it. That is the lowest way to live against sin. Sin, if you try to attack it with your willpower, you're going to lose. We need something more powerful. We need something higher. We need to believe that the living God is inside of us. He's alive in us, and he will help us to overcome anything that's in our way. So if something's pulling on us, instead of going, oh, well, I want more death. I'm going to go, yeah, that's awesome. Let's go for that. We say, you know what? God is inside me, and he will help me. And like we talked about several weeks ago, we will not be tempted beyond what we can bear. We can come over it. It doesn't matter what area it is. If it's a classic thing that people say, oh, I would lump that in this category, or if it's something that we're dealing with that we know is not God's best, we can come over it with the power of God. We can say, God, help me. Show me. I don't want to experience it. I know what it feels like. Lord, help me. In my time of need, help me to come over, and He will. He'll help us to get to the other side. He'll help us to circumvent to go over and we can experience joy and life and peace instead of that feeling of death that feeling of hurt that feeling of pain that feeling of condemnation the feeling of regret did anybody know what i'm talking about why go to that place when god has he has provided for us a way to go over why do i want to end up in the place that hurts when i can live a life that i'm going over that and saying, God, I have victory over it. I'm not a slave to that anymore. I can go over it. I don't want to experience death. I can experience life. Hallelujah. God is faithful and he'll help us. I think we'll have to go to Romans 8 
<clears throat> maybe next time. Amen.